You're listening to the podcast of Christ Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We hope these sermons help you to know God through Christ by deepening your belief in the gospel. The reading this evening comes from Proverbs 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints." Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, we do pray, and as we dive into your word, into Proverbs chapter two, that your will this evening would be to use your spirit and your word to transform us, your children, more and more into the image and into the understanding into the character and into the love of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Man, you may be seated. Welcome, everyone. It's good to see you all. I'm Clint. Just one of five pastoring elders here at Christ Church. Um, we are um, really thankful to have Nathan on the other side of the world right now in London, studying for his PhD, uh, probably blowing dust off of very, very old books. And what not, whatever PhD students do in London, um, between cups of tea or whatever they do. Um, we're especially thankful that for, for what the Lord might do um, for Nathan and for his studies and for his own um, convictions and character and competence as a pastor. And so um, you can rejoice with us and pray for him over the next couple of weeks as he studies and um, as he's far from home. Pray more for Marcy. Every time you pray once for Nathan, pray twice for Marcy. Um, because she's got her hands full at work, hands full with the kiddos, and uh, I'm sure many of you are leaning in um, to help her out this week and next. Then he's going to Asia with some of you, and that's exciting too, and we'll be praying next Sunday for some of you who are heading out to meet him and then go to Asia to visit the M's. But today, we've got a meal to eat. We've got Proverbs chapter 2, and it says, incline your heart to wisdom, because that's one of the first phrases in Proverbs 2. But before we get to Proverbs 2, I want you to I want to ask you, have you seen Corella? Just raise your hand if you've watched Corella yet. Corella, yeah. 
Oh, wow, very small numbers. You're like, no one's going to understand this sermon. It's great. Um, just kidding. Uh, Cruella is the, is the Disney reboot, uh, real life. What are those called? Real life? Fake or not cartoons? Oppo, oppo, what? Live action movies. It's amazing. I went in a little skeptical. I don't know why. I'm just like, can they really? Uh, it's 101 Dalmatians. You don't mess with that stuff. Um, but dude, I loved Cruella. I, Nico and I yesterday, this is a full 24 hours after watching it, we're like, was that the best movie we've seen this year? And I was like, I think it might be. I was so deep in on it. Um, I, generally speaking, I think these reboots of old classics are pretty fun. They're, they're doing a pretty good job of these. I'm a little nervous about Cinderella. Is it Cinderella that's coming out or Sleeping Beauty? One of the ones coming up I'm a little nervous about, but I'll watch it and we'll see. Um, but in this particular story, in Corella, let's back to Corella, just get, stay focused here. We see this internal struggle, right, before, in this girl's life. Her name is Estella, was her name? Estella, right, who becomes Corella. But she, Cruella, Cruella. And, and she's struggling, right? Am I going to take the dark path or am I, I'm, I'm I going to take the light path? She has been traumatized. She has been abused. She's been forsaken. And as she sorts this out, whether she's going to take the good path or bad path, uh, there are, she is a very extreme example. But I think in Proverbs 2, God has given us two very extreme examples in order to help us choose the right path, choose the way of faithfulness and wisdom and reject the way of of the world and the way of foolishness and sin. So the outline or, or, or a summary of Proverbs 2, I think, is uh, if you pursue wisdom or if we pursue wisdom, then wisdom will protect you. Wisdom will protect us. If we pursue it, it will protect us. So the first half of Proverbs 2, we're going to see here, is the pursuit of wisdom. It's verses 1 through 11. And, and Proverbs 2 can be broken down pretty easily in two big stanzas. So you've got stanza one, this is super nerdy and luxury, but Nathan's in London studying. So I, I can do this here, right? It's not that nerdy. This is stanza one, verses one through 11. I thought it'd be helpful to see big chunks of it and not just kind of the words that we read through. I know that's super tiny. Don't worry about it. If you can read it, good for you. Um, strophe just means section. I was super intimidated by that word at first when I started reading the commentaries. Thank God for commentaries that help us see the structure of Hebrew poetry so that we can get out of it the meaning and then get down to believing and following it. But you've got the first 11 verses here. You've got three sections. That's how I'm going to tackle them. So let's just get into it. I'm going to leave that up there if you, in case you can read it, but it's not that important if you can't. Don't worry about it. It's just you, you've got it in your Bible. You've got it on your phone. It, it might look a little different on your phone, though. So that's why I thought this structure helps us. Stanza 1, verses 1 through 11, the pursuit of wisdom. Here's a summary of it. If you really, 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 really want wisdom and you pursue it, then you're going to realize that God provides it and you will truly have it. So let's unpack this first uh, section, verses one through four. Right off the bat, we see in this first section um, that there are three if statements. That's a big deal. Uh, those three if statements are setting up a conditional statement upon which later there will be a blessing and consequences if we do these things. This is very typical in, in Hebrew poetry. This, this required deed and this outflowing or resulting destiny. If you receive, if you call out, if you seek wisdom, 
then you'll have it, understanding. You'll have it in the next section. We'll see then, but let's not rush to the then. Let's linger on the ifs because they are rich and they will help us see how we ought to pursue wisdom itself. Can you see these if statements are moving? They're moving from this passive receiving recipient to this active requesting and even more active retrieval or, or reaching out for. It's a lot like food. When you think about a baby, what do they do? They just receive milk. That's all they do. That's all they can do. Receive milk and then process it for you later. But they receive milk. Eventually, they learn. If I yell, I'll get more. So they yell. And then they get more. Well, eventually, they learn how to talk. Then they start articulating exactly what they want. You've heard this joke before. You're going to have to participate with me. Knock, knock. Uh, Interrupting cow. Moo, right? Yeah, that's good, right? Well, in our house, we loved using that one and going crazy on it. Like, we'd make up all these, and my favorite was always knock, knock, interrupting Nico. Is it snack time yet? Dude, as soon as he learned the word snack in English was after snack and time. When those two words came out of the universe and met in a sentence for Nico, It was the most beautiful thing to see him smile when snack time came around. And man, dude needed to know when is snack time. And then being able to read the clock just meant you got to wait. So uh, poor guy had to wait. But he went from asking for snacks to now he's a bit of a chef. Him and I have a little sous chef there. Like they're making their own food. They're not asking, is it time to eat anymore? Right? You can see the progress of just receiving food, calling out for food, and then going and being able to prepare your own food. It is much like this with wisdom. When we are truly hungry, when we really want to know, we really want and long for understanding. We want to live rightly. We want to live faithfully. God promises he will give it, but you got to receive it. Then you got to learn to call out for it and ask for it. And then you got to learn to go get it. Notice there's a hinge there uh, in the second half of verse 2. This hinge from receiving and listening. And uh, there's this concept of inclining our hearts toward it. So when a baby tastes that milk and slips into that little coma, way, so many of you know what I'm talking about. When, when, when Nico gets that snack and feels that fullness of energy, that burst of energy and satisfaction, when, when you move from mere willingness to receive it to a longing for it, that's the hinge that moves us from receiving to calling out to reaching for it. It's this desire that builds up in our heart. It's a desire that God gives us in our hearts. And it's when our hearts are inclined toward it. And, there, and this, this takes intentionality from the Lord, yes, but from us too. We can't just passively, passively hear God's word and hear wisdom in one ear and out the other and, and, and never incline our hearts toward it. Never ask God himself to incline our hearts toward what is right, what is good. We must take wisdom from those who are faithful before us, From our parents, yes, but as we'll see in the next section, most especially the words of the apostles and the prophets and the priests and the kings that God used to write his Bible. And that come from um, our parents, hopefully. Hopefully you got Bible from your parents. Hopefully as a parent, you are giving Bible to your children. But hopefully you are giving it to your roommates and your homies and your friends and your gospel community. Are you just going and receiving? How long, friend, will you just go and receive? How long will you come here and just 
receive? Are you calling out on your own? Are you going home and reading your Bible on your own? Are you reaching out and taking it? Are you even a source of it for others? I hope that you are. By God's grace and his power, wisdom will move into your minds. Incline our hearts, desires away from fleeting pleasures and temporary uh, benefits of foolishness and, and toward rich and eternal wisdom that's passed down generation to generation from God-fearing people to God-fearing people. This is especially true for the young among us. What was the technical term that Nathan used last week? Oh, yeah, idiots. But listen, you little idiots, don't worry because we made you or we adopted you and even if we're not good at telling you, The fact is, we're just bigger and older idiots. And hopefully, with enough suffering and enough sin and enough uh, striving through this broken world, and with the mirror of God's Word in front of us and the mirror of other people around us who love us and love God, hopefully we've just learned to listen to guys and gals who are just a little bit less idiotic than us to help us understand how sweet and wise the Lord is and how He can help us every single day. We are in that boat with you. This has been tempting for me. One thing that's been tempting for me all along in my life from what time I could learn to talk and, 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 and figure things out is as soon as I think I know something about something, I think I know everything about that something. And, 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 and then I'll just act like I know everything about that until somebody who knows more about it just clearly makes me look like a fool and, and, and shows me that I don't really know everything about that thing. It takes so much humility to admit we don't know what we're doing in life in relationships, and with the Lord even. It implies a huge amount of humility to be able to receive wisdom and to be able to call out for it and, re- and, and reach for it. It takes ever-shrinking pride in our hearts. Someone who is proud and thinks that they know all or even just know enough, they're not quick to listen and slow to speak. Fast to speak, slow to listen. But God calls us to be slow to speak and quick to listen because he knows we need it. We need to hear. We need to understand. We need to receive. Do you have wise mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters in the Lord in your life? If not, take a moment and just look around yourself here at Christ Church. Take time and intentionally humble yourself and seek guidance and help from others here at Christ Church and beyond. And keep in mind, they may actually be younger than you are. But call out, my friend. Be willing to ask us, your pastors. Be willing to ask others. We're willing to ask you. We don't always have things figured out. We need help understanding God's word. And yes, we do go looking for it from others oftentimes, but we sometimes come to you asking you, help us understand and apply this in our own lives. Do you have influences in your life, but they're not spitting wisdom for you? Is the music or the podcasts uh, that you listen to, the, the examples you follow online, are they coming from a source that you know is wise? Or are you just sort of wishfully thinking they are wise? Or, or worse, you know they are not wise. How do we actually know? We talked a lot about God's word already. And that's actually what this next section, 5 through, L, five through 8, shows us. That it is from God, if babies want milk and toddlers want snacks and daddies want steak, what should we want? We should want more God. We should want more of the food of his word, and we ought to be scooping it up and eating it and serving it up in our homes on the regular. 
verse 5 through 8, the second section of the first stanza. We move, we're, we're, we're moving through, you, I think most of you know, we're moving through the first nine chapters of Proverbs because uh, we're not quite to the short, pithy statements of wisdom that the author and the, the collector of the, the, the Proverbs is setting us up to just scoop up and eat. And right now we're talking about getting your heart inclined toward wisdom before you start getting a bunch of it. Uh, but one thing Nathan said last week, uh, quoting Tim Keller, was that uh, wisdom is knowing, uh, it's insight, it's knowing how things really work, it's prudence, knowing uh, how things really are, and it's uh, uh, knowing what we should do with those things. So we're going to continue through these first nine chapters of Proverbs, just sort of throwing out a definition of, of, of wisdom. We keep working on it together. We meet once a week for about an hour, hour and a half to just talk about the text together. So this has been a sweet time already of us all trying to get on staff our minds around the book of Proverbs. So here's kind of my functional definition of wisdom right now, what we're after in the Proverbs. It's a God-given, so it's got to come from him. It's a God-given understanding of who he is and who we are. So who he is and who we are, it's from him, and how things work, both vertically between us and him and horizontally between us and everyone else, that begins to be used through a reverent love for and a trust in God for the good of ourselves and others. I know that's a long, wordy definition. We'll put it in the weekly email. You can, if you didn't write it down now, I don't see anybody scribbling fast. Don't worry. I'll read it again. A God-given understanding of who he is, who we are, and how things work that begins with a reverent love for and trust in God and is appropriated for the temporal and eternal benefit of self and others. That's what we're unpacking in the book of Proverbs until someone else comes and preaches next week and gives you a better definition. The bottom line is God is the source of all good. God is the source of all wisdom. If you want to know how something works, if you want to know how this world works, this universe works, go to the one who designed it. That's how you'll know. Go to the God who made you, who made the world, who, who subjected fallen humanity and the cursed land from Genesis 3 that Kyle was mentioning earlier to futility but to futility and hope. Go to the God who knew this would happen, who knew mankind would rebel, who knew this world would break under the weight of sin and who knows how to fix it and who has promised he will fix it and who has promised to help us navigate the messiness of it while we wait for his fix eternally. Friends, this world is jacked up. And sometimes things work Sometimes they work out, but more often than not, the business just blunders and relationships are rocked and friendships fade and our health halts and finances falter. And then what? Then our hope fades. But we forget. We forget that there's a God in heaven who didn't just start this earth and let it spin off without his influence or even control but who has subjected this broken world to futility in hope. I was just telling a few folks in our GC this week, after one of our sisters was really blessed by a passage in Romans 8, I said, when all else fails and you're about to lose hope, read Romans 8. And I mean it. Read Romans 8. If you find yourself baffled by the way the world keeps just setting you up and knocking you down, then read Romans 8. And the wisdom that pierces our broken reality by a sovereign, loving, keeping, comforting, and hope-giving God will help you. God is the source of all wisdom, as we see in this section. 
And if we listen to those who have God's word and who rely on God's word and who are studying God's word, then you will be eating wisdom too. You will be gaining an appetite for wisdom too. I can't count how many times I've reminded myself of Nathan's words who I think he got from one of his seminary professors that if you knew as much as God knew and loved you as much as God loves you, then you'd have you right where you are right now. And I always add, and you'd call on yourself to trust in you. That's what God does. He loves us more than we can understand. He knows way more. He knows everything. And if you did, you'd put yourself right in the situation that you're in right now. And he promises to give it to us. The book of James promises us that whoever lacks wisdom should ask for it. So we should be asking for it. We should be reaching out for it. And we shouldn't just ask for it in, 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 in a way that says, uh, hey, out there, universe, send me something good today. We should, we should ask God, send me something true today. And we shouldn't ask God that and then just go sit out on the West Mesa in the back of your Ford Ranger before you're married and just stare at the sunset, hoping God's going to tell you something really profound, except other than he, what he already tells you in the sunset, that he designed it and he's beautiful and he's awesome, but nothing particular about what I need to do next, like what church to join or, or how our marriage is going to go. Don't be weird. Open your Bible and read it. How weird is it that we ask God so much for wisdom and our Bibles just collect dust closed in our floorboard of our Ford Ranger? We need to be asking God and trusting him that he'll give it to us and that it'll benefit us, it'll benefit others. Verse seven and eight say it'll straighten us out. Are you confused about what's right? Are you confused about what's wrong, what's up, what's down? Have all the woke Williams or conspiracy Carls led you down a windy road of questionable judgment or never-ending rabbit trails or even contradicting paths? Are you listening to God's word first and middle and last? Are your paths straight or do you veer hard left? Is your path straight or do you veer hard right? Is your understanding of justice and goodness informed and guarded particularly and specifically and and, and comprehensively by God's word or by your favorite podcast or politician? Every voice that is not ever more informed by and ever more conformed to the voice of God will eventually lead us astray. And some of us have already been led astray. What happens when we listen to God? I'm going to move on to that last section, verse 9 through 12. It'll wrap up this first stanza for us, and it is another then statement. So we had three ifs in the first section. Strophe, I don't even know how to say it. Some English major is going to come up afterwards and tell me, you don't even know what that word means. Um, We got three ifs, we've got a big then, then we've got another big then. So introduce this last section of the first stanza. If verses five through eight were a promise of, of, of understanding from God, a theological education and understanding showing us where true wisdom comes from, not from us, uh, not, not from spiritually ignorant or Bibleist people, I'll just be frank, but from God himself and directly from his word that flows to us, then these next verses, 9 through 11, the, the second then is more horizontal. It's more of an ethical education, a promise that God will um, only give the wisdom, not only give the wisdom, but he will help us use that wisdom for the good of ourselves and others. We see here, these are where these, oh, you don't have letters. I got letters on mine. There's, there's a little bit of thing. Uh, Hebrew poetry has this thing called chiasm in it where they, where they line up like 
I'll tell you. They line up verse 5 and verse 9. Verse 5 and verse 9 are similar enough that we should be reading Hebrew poetry and go, ah, he meant something by that. So verse 5 and 9 do line up well. You've got, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Verse 9, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. You'll get it from above. You'll go out and spread it horizontally. Do you see what's happening there? There's these parallels going on. So there's a pairing of verse 5 and 9 indicating that. There's a pairing of 6 and 10 showing that the wisdom comes straight from God's heart. It's not just from his head. It's from his heart into our hearts. He loves us by giving us wisdom. We love him by cherishing it and spreading it. How sweet of God to give us something not only that we need, but that we love. And finally, there's a pairing of verse 7 and 8, along with 11. We see that the author wants us to know that God himself is the one, is the one who's using wisdom and discretion to protect his people. Verse 7 and 8 say, he will protect us. He's the one doing it. Verse 11, it'll watch over you. Understanding will guard you. You're getting it from here. You're going out here. Praise be to God for wisdom. All that wisdom that Kyle just prayed that we might have. Do you long to know how to be a better parent? Do you long to know how to be a better son or a better daughter, a better neighbor, better worker, better brother, better sister, better barista, better bus driver, better business owner? Do you want to avoid the paths that lead to destruction relationally or spiritually or even physically and socially? Do you want to walk the paths that lead to love and life and joy and peace? Do you want to avoid the pitfalls of pride and the lameness of laziness and the paralysis of decision-making or the forest fires caused by our untamed tongue or how to repair relationships? Do you want to, do you want to, do you want to know how to repair a relationship or how to raise kiddos? Stop listening to pop psychology. Stop listening to Oprah Winfrey. I know nobody here listens to Oprah Winfrey anymore. Who do people listen to? Joe Rogan? I, I don't know. He says some cool things sometimes, I think. But who else do people listen to? Like literally, who do people listen to? Who's the Oprah of today? It's Joe Rogan. I bet Oprah would blast him in the cheek if they got into a, a MMA fight. Stop taking random Bible verses out of context. And disconnecting them from the gospel. And let's buckle up. Let's buckle up for this walk that we're about to take through the Proverbs. These topics. As we mine for the treasures of God's wisdom. And as we cherish them and believe them. We're not going to do it perfectly. And we're not going to do it just formulaically. But we pray we'll do it wisely. So verse 10 says that the wisdom we lack will be ours. The understanding we need. Which is not in our natures, it will become a part of us. It has to become a part of us, from outside of us, into us. It'll be our spiritual, intellectual, relational DNA. We need this so much. We need this so bad. We are so bad at messing up all areas of life if we are left to ourselves. The youthful are especially vulnerable to this, but again, he's talking about parenting, so nobody's off the hook. Every one of us ought to tune in and tune up and tune our ears to God's word that we're going to be covering over the next several weeks. If we learn to listen and long for wisdom and look for it, then we will find it, that it comes from God. We will have it. 
We'll learn to not just use it, but to love it as well. And God will use it to love us in new ways too. And this isn't legalism. Be careful. I'm not saying read your Bible more and God will love you more. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is if you want to eat the cornbread and the cottage cheese at the Sizzler, you've got to get your butt out of the booth and go over and get a tray and scoop it on your plate. It's already made for you. It's already covered. You got to go get it. You actually have to go get it. There's no Sizzler in Albuquerque, is there? We actually talked about this yesterday. I don't think there is. Sweet tomatoes took over. I went to the Sizzler with Joanna's dad once. That was yummy. You can't, no one's going to come serve you at a buffet. And God has put a buffet of wisdom out in front of us. We got to work for it. We got to work for it. He wants us to work for it. This is not legalism. This isn't making yourself right in God's eyes so that he might love you. It's scooping up that cottage cheese and popping it on your plate so you can eat it because it's so yummy. Amen. No? All right. This brings us to our next stanza. A whole nother stanza. Stanza number two, starting with verse 12, the protection of wisdom. We've already talked about the pursuit of wisdom. Now we're going to talk about the protection of wisdom. Stanza two, same thing. Isn't it interesting? So orderly, so symmetrical. Be still my engineering heart. For, uh, who knew art and could, could make an engineer happy? Actually, it kind of bugs you because it's four four, three, and you're like, where's the fourth one on the last section? Um, but God is perfect, and so is his word. So we got three sections again, same thing, four, four, three. We're going to talk about the protection of wisdom in these, in these two sections, 12 through 15 and 16 through 19 of our, of our, of our second stanza. We're going to talk about some of the dangers that we're actually going to be protected from. There's quite a bit in the first stanza about being protected. God's going to protect you. He's going to let the wisdom inside of you protect you. Guard the way of justice, protect you from evil. Well, now we're going to actually unpack the way of evil, delivering you, verse 12, from the way of evil. And it is personified by two people. One is this deadly dude, and the other is this deadly dame. First, we'll talk about the deadly dude. You know him by his words. He speaks against God and against people. His jokes break people down. They don't build people up. Words are tools in his hand. Not for building up, but for breaking down, for demolition. Not to build up, as the, Paul tells the Ephesians, to use your words to do what? Build one another up. Let nothing unwholesome come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up, Paul says. His words, the deadly dude, his words value life and women and work and creation and people less than a good laugh. And they invite you to join in on the poison. He doesn't just use words to harm. He uses his power and his paths to actually hurt, damage people. He uses the darkness to hide the damage too. Women and children are toys or tools to him. They're not the treasures that God made them to be. If he's talking to you, he's deceiving you. Maybe not directly, but eventually. You can't trust him. He's hiding something. Maybe he was hurt when he was younger, or maybe he was taught to be the way he is, but when given the chance to repent, he doesn't take it. He doubles down. He loves every minute of it. He rejoices in delighting in doing evil. He, he loves to mess things up, break relationships, bruise people's hearts, and then burn whatever is left over. And when you think he's going to go right, he's going left. When you think he'll tell you everything, you realize 
something important was left out. His ways are crooked. He's wise, but in a crafty serpent-like way. There's no fear of God before his eyes. He uses that craftiness to harm rather than help. His voice sounds like that serpent's in the garden as it hisses. Did God really say that was the right path? Come on, let's try this path instead. Up is down, right is wrong. A voice calling out to take and eat and enjoy. A voice questioning God's voice. A voice that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. A voice leading God's people, leading you and me, your sons and your daughters, away from fellowship and friendship with God. And away from the promised land of Eden from which we all came. And if sinless Adam and sinless Eve gave into this voice, how much more vulnerable are we? His craftiness lacks true wisdom because, again, there's no fear of the Lord before his eyes. He has no reverent love for respect or, or eagerness to please God wrought from the Holy Spirit. God is his enemy, and he loves it. As bad as it sounds, there's more subtle versions of this, right? These less developed versions of it. Maybe, it's just, maybe he's just impatient when he should be kind. Maybe he rears his ugly side in your home or in your heart. I know he does in mine. And when he does, sure enough, destruction, destructive wakes roll faithfully behind me. Waves that can only be calmed by the one who calmed them for his disciples in the boat. He's not just dangerous because he's going to hurt you. He's dangerous because he wants you to join in and hurt others with him. Join in the fun. Walk with him as he walks with, on top of others. Sometimes you see him coming. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes he wears his sin as a badge. Sometimes he hides it in his Bible. We were driving Thursday night uh, down south, I-25. We're going to exit Rio Bravo, and the line is all the way back. I forgot to measure on Google, but I wanted to measure from the exit at Rio Bravo all the way around to the parking lot. This has got to be two miles, three miles to the parking lot of Isleta Amphitheater. I was like, what in the world is happening there tonight? And, and, and for the last year, nothing, basically. But now something. And there's dudes in the street walking up to cars that aren't moving for minutes upon minutes, selling them t-shirts. I thought, is this in a are we in New York City? Are we in a second world country? Like, what is going on here? Then we get over, uh, you know, we head off Rio Bravo. We're not going where they're going. And we go to another road. And there's another road with miles of cars. And I'm like, what's going on? And Joe's like, pit bulls in town. I was like, who's pit bull? She's like, you don't want to know. So I Googled him. You should not Google him. I Googled him for educational purposes. Kids do not Google him. Pitbull has recorded hundreds of songs and has sold more than 70 million singles with number one hits in more than 15 countries. And he's had more than 67 million digital downloads, more than 9 billion YouTube views. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do that. And has over 22 million Twitter followers and 59 million followers on Instagram. So then I Apple music Tim. That was, that was Wikipedia, man. You can't get much harm in Wikipedia. But then I Google or Apple music Tim, and I just listened to one song, one song for educational purposes, just one. And the beats and rhymes weren't bad. I'm a hip hop guy. I like it. But the lyrics were unbelievably wrong. 
And if fear is the beginning of wisdom, then Pitbull's music is the end of wisdom. There's no respect for creation. No respect for others. None for God. None for women. None for love. This is just a sampling from the one song that I've ever heard from him. And don't worry, I've sanitized it a bit. Can't pay my rent. Oh, well, see you at the club. Met a girl. Give me the time of my life. Tell the bartender. Line up the shots. Drink it up. Throw it up. She's on fire. Lots of talk about their body parts and their utter irresponsibility and irreverent decisions they're making about how she just broke up with her ex. So he's willing to take advantage of her emotional pain for his physical pleasure. And in case she's confused, he makes it very clear, this is not about love. This is about lust. He actually said that. And in case there's any shred of reverence left to hold on to, he actually says of his encounter with her, believe me, been there, done that. Every day above ground is a great day. And we didn't go to church, but I got blessed. No, no, no. That is not what blessed means. Those are the words of cursing, not of blessing. And brother, friend, okay, call him brother, you are on your way to eternal death and you are dragging so many people in Albuquerque with you. Dude came from a pit and like a bull in a china shop, he is wrecking other people's souls. I asked the family, I was like, what if this many people lined up to go to Christ Church? We'd have to meet out here at the Isleta Amphitheater. We wanted to have that many people. This dude in Proverbs 2 is deadly. He is dangerous. And he has quite the following. In case this feels one-sided though for you, we know that some of the seemingly most godly men can and do fall so tragically and so damagingly because though they've helped many with what they've said in public, in private They were living out the lyrics of that song from Pitbull. Brothers, no one is immune from becoming the deadly dude and following him all the way to the grave. And sisters, his girlfriend is not any better. If there's a dangerous dude, verse 16 through 19 shows us there is a deadly dame, a wicked woman calling out to us. And just so you know, the gender roles don't stay in their lanes on this stuff. Don't get in the rut that, that, that dudes are dangerous only in certain ways and dames are dangerous only in other ways. Sin is way too comprehensive and crafty and sneaky in your heart and everybody else's heart to stay in their lane. But friends, brothers, sisters, this girl is off limits, forbidden by God, the God of wisdom himself. Her temptations are so seductive. She, she already has abandoned her husband, so, so we know she's a promise breaker, but oh, the promises that she makes... And then the lives and families she breaks. My sons, my younger brothers, my older brothers. I know there aren't many of you in this room. Please listen to wisdom and ignore her. Ignore this woman. We listen way too long to her smooth words. We entertain and consider her words way too much. Come be with me. Come look at me. I want you to. Whatever she's offering, I'm sure it'll feel good. But the bottom line is it's not good. The long haul of bitterness that follows her will drown out every vaporous good feeling you thought you'd get to keep. 
poison from her tastes good at first. And then it kills you. It's like Maleficent meets Thor's sister Hela meets Cruella DeVille, but like an NC-17 version of them all. This wicked woman turns the strength of men into a pile of dust. And if deconstructionist Disney had their way with this woman, they'd probably like rewind on her and, and, and show us how she was taken advantage of and she was harmed, probably by the dude. And, and it's probably all true. The scriptures acknowledge the pain that is caused by sin, but never excuses us for a sinful response to that pain caused by sin. So though the lines on Disney movies can be blurred, the ethical lines can be blurred, and sometimes our compassion overruns, the Bible doesn't do that here. It gives it to us raw. She's deadly. She's dangerous. She's wicked. And she lives in some of our hearts too. All of our hearts to some degree. She's calling out, begging you to come, begging you to follow her to death. Brothers, sisters, friends, God in his wisdom will deliver you from him. God and his wisdom will deliver you from her. It's never too late until it's too late. If you have air in your lungs and a beating heart in your chest and a Bible in your lap and a church sitting next to you who will help you and are eager to do just that, then it's not too late yet. There will be a day when it's too late, when all those things are gone and we face the judgment of God, have we embraced his wisdom that says we need to be saved? Have we followed the wisdom of the world that says we got this? By God's grace and wisdom, by truly knowing better, by wanting better, by knowing God, by knowing his free grace to save and his power to turn our hearts back to himself and by knowing Jesus and all of his ways and all of his wants and having a Holy Spirit that comes in to make those our ways and our wants we can, in fact, be delivered from the very real danger of this dude and this dame. No matter how far you've gone down the road of death already, come back, friend. Come back, turn. Pit bull could become a Christian. Straight up, the Holy Spirit could save him. Is it going to happen? I don't know. If he calls me, I'll try. But he's probably not going to call me. But maybe God will put someone in his life. God has already put people in your life to help you. Turn away. All right, let's, let's, let's dive into this last section because by default, we're all rebels. We are the deadly dudes. We are the wicked women. And Jesus is an expert at saving us if we turn and trust in him, recognizing and acknowledging that we need him. We're sinners. We need him. So verse 20 through 22. Verse 21 says, For the upright, for those who've been made right. Who's that? Those are the people who will inhabit the land. There's this... There's this sweet thing going on in the Proverbs, guys. And, and, and the more we study as pastors, the more we're seeing it. This, this, this pointing back to the Garden of Eden. This pointing back to God who said, follow me and be with me. And then the world who said, no, follow me and be with me. Right? And now God's calling them back. Back to me. And this inhabit the land theme is throughout the whole Old Testament, right? They're cast out of Eden. And then God goes, I mean, God said, the day you eat, uh, the, the day you eat of the tree of the, of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Well, then they did, and then he didn't kill them. 
sent him out into a different kind of death, a death separate from him, right? And a death that will eventually become physical and then forever spiritual separation. But how merciful of God to clothe them, how merciful of God to send them out and then pursue them outside of Eden and then try to create through the tabernacle and the temple a new Eden and in the people of Israel, a new people who are in his place with his blessing forever. And now, ultimately through Christ, his people who are with his blessing and have his presence. Are you restored to God through Christ? Are you on your way back to Eden? Are you tasting Eden a bit every time you come to church, every time you crack the Bible open, every time you walk into a room and knowing the Holy Spirit lives inside of you? You are a citizen of Eden, friend. We are on our way back to Eden, friend. We are unpacking the book of Proverbs because we long for the effects of Eden to be in our own lives and in the lives of others. Only through a restored relationship with God, only through the gospel of Jesus Christ, which we have already rehearsed over and over here. Friends, we are in a war. This is not a game. It is a war for your soul. So receive God from wisdom. Request daily wisdom from God. Cry out to God and ask him every single day, God, give me wisdom to live this life for you, to know you, to trust you, to be with you. Then reach daily for that wisdom. Open up your Bible. Read it. Believe it. Study it. Talk about it. Memorize it. Trust it. And obey it. Friends, let's ask God for help now as we do just that. Father in heaven, if it were up to us, we would reach for a thousand different things before we reach out to you. And we know that our default is not even to receive your word. Our default is just to have this hard heart that rejects who you are, ignores who we are, ignores how the world works, ignores what you had in mind. And so we need you. We need you to give us overcome our spiritually dead taste buds so that we would taste wisdom and enjoy it and so that our hearts might incline toward that it would be pleasurable for us. Then Lord, use it, we pray, to protect us. Protect us from your righteous judgment that we deserved, that Christ took for us and protect us from the ways of this world, the wicked ways of this world that are begging us to join in with them. God, help us. We know we're not there yet. We know we're in, 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 in a bit of a waiting period now in this world, in, in, in this version of Eden. But we also know you're fixing things and you have fixed things in your people and that you are helping us to understand and be wise and live for you. So help us all the more as we continue. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been encouraged to deeper life in Christ through the preaching of this sermon. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.christchurchabq.com.